Welcome back, Holy Messes, to another episode of A Holy Mess with His Holy Mess, Father Paul. Uh, I believe this is episode 31. I could be off on the numbers. It doesn't matter. It just matters that you're here. It matters that we're here. Uh, and thank you for being here together because when Christ said, when two or three gather together in his name, he's in our midst. So is that possible that Christ himself is here present? Yes. Yes, he is, because two or three are gathered in his name, and we come here in his name. And we're not here, ultimately, we are here to lead all people to him. But in a special way, in this episode, we are going to be talking about his mama, his heavenly mama, our heavenly mama, the Blessed Virgin Mary. And I am beyond grateful to have not just another brother, Catholic, Christian who, you know, loves the Blessed Virgin Mary, but I have like pretty much like an expert in the Blessed Virgin Mary in the sense that he is a Maryologist, the very first Maryologist to ever be a guest on a Holy Mess, uh, Dr. Peter Howard. Welcome. Thank you for being a guest on a Holy Mess. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Father. I, I feel a lot of pressure now being the first one on here. So uh, we'll we'll keep the questions uh, pretty light. <laughs> but it's a pleasure to be on with you. Yeah, no, it. thank you. There's nothing light about this show. There, there truly nothing is. Uh, so yeah, I'm grateful. I put a, a, a message out there on uh, the internet, uh, um, social media, maybe about a week ago saying, hey, it's the month of Mary. It's the month of May. Uh, anybody want to do, anybody know someone, have a good recommendation to do an episode about the Blessed Virgin Mary. And immediately I got a, a message from your brother, uh, who is a friend of mine, Bill Howard, uh, who has been working with the Theology of the Body Institute and Christopher West for many, many years now, has become a personal friend of mine. Uh, we've been on, uh, we've been to Ireland together. Uh, we're going to France together later in October. Uh, so he messaged me, told me about you, connected us. You said yes right away. And man, I'm excited about this episode. I truly am. Oh, that sounds great. I'm pretty jealous of all those opportunities you have there. My brother's traveling around with all you guys and, uh, I'm just left behind. <laughs> Not in Idaho. <laughs> in Idaho. Hey, I want to go to Idaho. Actually, I, I wanna... we are. It's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people. I want. I want to go out there. Um, has the Blessed Virgin ever appeared at Idaho? Any any like apparitions of Our Lady of Idaho or anything like that? Our Lady of the Potato. <laughs> <laughs> well, other than my private revelations, um, I'm trying to think. No, um, <laughs> I'm not aware of any. Yeah, well, um, there, there was an apparition in 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 Wisconsin, so that that, that is yeah, there is one. That's why approved, I'm asking. Yeah. Yep, there's one approved in America in Champion, Wisconsin. Yeah, and that's yeah. So I was just kidding, but I do know about the one in Wisconsin. So, uh, Doctor Howard, uh, by the way, your you know uh, title, Doctor, your um, your degree is that in uh, are you have a PhD particular in Mariology? Is that what you're a doctor of, or is it something completely different? No, it's related. It's um, it's a doctorate degree that the pontifical universities that are associated with the Vatican, the pontifical degrees they have, um, they have a bachelor in theology, then a you can get a master's in theology, and then you can go a step higher than a master's and get a licentiate in theology, 
which gives you the license, literally the license to be able to teach at any Catholic university or seminary. And then you can go all the way and then get a doctorate in sacred theology. So if you ever see the letters S T D after a name like mine, it, it doesn't mean I had a very immoral lifestyle at one point. Um, it refers to doctorate in sacred theology. Yeah, I know. I thought that was very weird when I went into the seminary and I, I started hearing about these, you know, I, these, you know, STDs after like these all these guys with STDs yeah, uh, preaching like, around um, the country. What's going on? I was like, what is going on here? You know, no, man. They are. So no, uh, <laughs> sacred <laughs> theology. Today uh, you have to, I mean, you do have to explain those things because they're like, what in the world? So anyway, that's, that's what it is. And, and so my undergraduate was at Franciscan university here in the U S but then my other degrees in the doctorate were at the uh, at Dominican university, the Angelicum in, in Rome. Oh, you went to the Rome. You went to the Angelicum. I did. Yep. And and oh, it's, I didn't even answer your question. But uh, by yeah, degrees, your thesis in? yeah, it's my I, I specialized in dogmatic theology because you choose a track. And then um, for both my licentiate thesis and then for my doctorate thesis, I specialized in um, Marian topics. So every time I, I got a chance, I, my specialization within that became Mariology. Got it. Got it. All right. So what is it about Mary? You know, there's that movie. There's something about Mary. Right. And I <laughs> yeah. know people have played off of that before or whatever. But like, what is it about Mary that you were like, I'm going to I want to become a doctor in the things of Mary. You know, I'm going to write a thesis on, you know, the, the things of Mary. Why are we devoting an entire episode uh, in, in what is called the, you know, the month of Mary in the month of May? What is it about this 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 Mary that we know as the Blessed Virgin Mary? What, what what what's the big deal? Why should people care? Why is she important? Is she just you know she happened to be you know the the biological birth mother of of Jesus? Like what what's the deal? Yeah, she won the uh, salvation history lottery. Um, no, uh, if first for me it was personal. Uh, when I was younger, as a teenager, my dad was in a car accident, uh, and I I was. I was born and raised in New Jersey, so about, about 45 minutes south probably of where you are. Okay, yeah. And uh, just south of Princeton, because that's where his car accident was. Oh, man. And uh, you probably know the story from my brother, but maybe not. Anyway, but he, my father was uh, – originally, he was dead. I mean, the accident was so bad, they found him, and he, they had to resuscitate him, bring him back. And then he, it was a really bad situation. They didn't think he'd make it. And so this was a few days before Christmas. We just had you know our last day of – class at I was in high as a freshman in high school and um anyway police came to the door and uh they wouldn't talk to us kids so they talked to my mom and this is where it all changed in a moment of great darkness and tragedy um my mom turned to all of us and simply said start praying the rosary and so we did but like the rosary was not a part of our family life i mean there wasn't really much depth in our Catholic faith in the sense of it, you know, being deeply catechized. And, you know, we, we were, I guess you could say kind of, you know, middle of the run, but faithful Catholics always going to mass. But anyway, we started praying the rosary and uh, we experienced a lot of miracles. One being the fact that my father did survive ultimately because the doctors told us to come in that night and say goodbye. Cause they said, there's just no way he's going to make this. He was paralyzed uh, from the, he was supposed to be paralyzed from the neck down, but we kept praying. And another miracle was he was able to uh, move his arms and his hands. So he shouldn't have been able to do that. 
considering where his injury was on the, on a spinal cord because it was severed. Um, and, uh, and then my mother, she was the Marian figure of my home. And, uh, she, um, she started having prayer groups. And then within about a, a year or two, we all made a family pilgrimage of all places. We never traveled outside of like the tri-state area, you know, uh, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Maryland, and, and Delaware, you just go through it. Um, and, uh, and so we, we went to this place that we had heard about called Medjugorje. And I was kind of fascinated because I knew somebody who had gone there. And it was like, what does this mean? Mary's appearing, you know, like, and, and what is she saying? If, if this is real, like, well, what's that about? That sounds pretty serious. And then I started learning about other things, Fatima briefly. And, but then this whole thing was like, hey, well, we're going to go to this place. And I know the church is investigating it and there's no, you know, everybody has their opinion on it. Um, and the church hasn't given a decision. So uh, all I know is that uh, when I was there, I had one of the most powerful conversion experiences interiorly that really was the kind of the, the, the launching point from that point forward of, I just knew Mary was going to be special in my life. I didn't know what way, because I was all about the military. I wanted to go to the Naval Academy. and um, But she was always there. And she was per groups round the clock in my home. My mom had her Divine Mercy one, uh, the Legion of Mary. So rosaries and things were praying all the time. Now my dad's praying. He wasn't a man of prayer before. And since he couldn't go anywhere, he, <laughs> he was always there at the prayer meetings. So he learned to like them. Um, you know, typical Irishman. Anyway, so Mary was always a big part of my life all throughout high school. And then I became more sensitive to the signs of the times in which we're living. And I realized like, wow, God has me alive at some, something special is going on. And then I was also freaked out because I'm like, I'm hearing things about chastisement. The whole world's going to be purified. Like, am I going to get to see the year 2000? Am I going to be married? Am I going to be ordained a priest? Am I going to see anything in my life? I, all these things going through my mind. But um, I just felt she brought me closer to every aspect of my faith, even though I knew very little. Then I went to college and I started, I, I majored in theology. I started feeling like, okay, this is uh, God might be calling me to be a priest. All I know is that I want, I kind of like St. Maximilian Colby. He wanted to be a soldier for Poland and he just, and yet he loved our blessed mother. And then he, he, through his mother, um, discovered that you know she was he was called to be a Franciscan and fight for our blessed mother and I I just knew that that was something related in my own life and I didn't know how it was going to manifest itself it took many many years you know now I'm married I have six kids um, but every chance I had I just knew I, I was going to dig deeper and find out what this mission is and for the last 25 years of my life plus it's been wherever I am, uh, giving talks and speaking about our Blessed Mother, offering courses on Mary, um, and uh, just because she is the fastest way. She's the most powerful way to, uh, to reach Jesus and to enter more deeply into the church. When I started studying theology, it all came together. Mary is, you know, some saints like St. Saint Bernard of Clairvaux call her the neck between the head, Jesus is the head, and, and, and then the church is the body. Mary is the neck. So everything's everything from the head is communicated to the body through the neck. Wow. And I experienced that uh, so much in my, in my own life. Um, 
like I said, I experienced miracles, things, other things I can't even explain um, when I was younger. And uh, so I just, I knew Mary was building an army for these times and I wanted to be a part of it. And I just took risks, af risk after a risk and going to Rome on my own. You know, I explored religious life for a number of uh, almost two years you know, I, I gave her, I said, look, I, I, I'm ready to fight if you want me to, to go in, in the route of a priest or religious. And to be honest, I was kind of surprised that that wasn't what God wanted. But all those experiences that I had, because I traveled throughout Europe, I lived in Italy doing this, I lived in Denver. And it was like, all of this was to form me for what I am now and helping me to be able to communicate what I hope she wants through me, um, you know, to the world. And, and she really is. A, uh, we are living in the greatest Marian age ever. And, you know, hundreds of apparitions have been reported over the last couple, just in the 20th century alone. Not all of them are approved. Very, you know, very few actually get approved. But you look at what she's been doing, what God has been using her for, um, as the world has completely abandoned God over the last two centuries, um, God sent Mary to the world to save us because we rejected the Father, then we rejected the Son. You know, we live in a post-Christian world, and now the last resort is Mary. And so every part of my being, is, as much as I can, until God says I can't or closes the doors, is I got to get that message out because uh, she's the fastest way to convert souls. Wow. Um that that's powerful in and of itself. I, I want to go back on a, a point that you made earlier. You said that she is the fastest way to Christ. She's the fastest way. Um, what do you mean by that? And in a sense, you you sort of answered that by saying that she's the neck, right? That everything is communicated from the head, Christ, to the body, which is us, through the neck, Mary. But how is she the fastest way? But even more importantly, why is it even important? Why is she important? Because, you know, many people say, well, we, we just need Christ. We just go straight to Christ. There's no other intercessor between, you know, humanity and the Father other than Christ. So, you know, I'm sure there's going to be people that listening to this that love our blessed mother and have no problems whatsoever. But there are also many people that are like, well, you know, well, why is she even that important? Because even in myself as a Catholic, when I was starting to get really into my faith, I was afraid to put like to not even myself to put too much emphasis on her. I was uncomfortable with the church putting too much emphasis on her. Like I was totally, I didn't realize it, but I, I was, you know, with a, a certain type of, you know, non-denominational, you know, Pentecostal mindset, I guess of like, you know, we don't, we don't need anybody. It's Christ, 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 even like the church. And even when I went to the seminary, even my first year in the college seminary, we went into the, uh, the, 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 the university chapel and it was, you know, the, the chapel of the Immaculate Conception. I went to Immaculate Conception Seminary and the chapel at Seton Hall University had so much Marian stuff. And I even like, you know, we had to write a reflection on it for our, you know, one of our courses. And here I am, a 23-year-old seminarian that's like, well, you know, they're really, you know, I don't know why there's so much like Marian art, you know, it should be more of just Jesus and you know, and then I look back and I'm like, oh, like what a moron I am. But I had, but I was ignorant. I didn't know, you know, I, it, and then I started to learn about her, to study her. I listen to talks on her, read books about her. And then, per, then eventually get to know her personally in prayer as 
as my heavenly mother, as, as to those that are listening, that's like, yeah, okay, we could just go straight to the head. Why is she important and how is she the fastest way? Well, I'll give you just a quick little analogy. Uh, we were talking before the, um, we started recording our show here and about getting in front of people, getting a message out. And, and you said, well, how are you getting in front of these people who are your know, big name radio shows and things? And, and I'm like, you know what? I've tried a lot on my own. I've sent things to the same people, you know, similarly, not much different. But then I got connected to people who had great influence and knew them. And I knew that if I could just get something in their hands that would go to these people, I'd have a really good shot of getting on that show. And that's exactly what happened. Within 24 hours, it was, okay, uh, Dr. Howard, we're going to have you booked on Monday on Shane's birthday. We're talking about Fulton, Shane, and Mary. And, you know, I was like, wow. Well, there's, you know, one of the titles that the church gives to Mary is our advocate. And, uh, and it's kind of a judicial term, but it's actually really true, though. I mean, and, and, you know, we go before God and we carry a weight of sin and you can say, you know, we're guilty as charged. But Mary goes before because, like you said, more than anything, all of these titles are great. But in the end, she's our mother. Why is she important? Because she is our mother. You don't respect, you don't disrespect your mother. You know, honor your father and your mother. But Mary isn't just our mother, mother by a title. She actually is our mother now actively. She's like our whole life from the moment we're baptized is the forming and the perfection of the life of Jesus Christ in us. Jesus Christ is what? He's the incarnation. He's the word incarnate. Whose flesh was incarnated? Mary's. That's why the Annunciation was so important. You know, Venerable Fulton Sheen talked about that. The, the, the question to Mary was, will you give me your human nature? Because it is going to be through your human nature that I unite myself, that I will shed my blood, and I will redeem all humanity. And that's why, like St. Bernard of Clairvaux said, all of heaven paused to hear her response. Mary was completely free. Otherwise, she'd have no merit. And so, and so she immediately answered, fiat, may it be done unto me according to your words. When God created the world, when he created all things, but especially the world, what were the first words during Genesis? Fiat lux. The Father created with his word the world and the heavens and all that. When he came to recreate the world, he entrusted the yes to do that to this woman. Mary is the new Eve. She's the new mother of all of those who will live in Christ. And so when she says, fiat mihi secundum verbum tuum, let it be done to me, with her fiat began the recreation of the world. Just from that alone, we are eternally indebted to her. It was fitting for the disobedience of Eve be kind of canceled out by the free choice and the obedience of Mary. That's why understanding Mary as the new Eve might, is probably the best image to see how she works in God's plan. How did Eve relate to all, all of us? And she failed, but we're still daughters and sons of Adam and Eve. Um, you know, as, as, uh, you know, she's the head, uh, the matriarchal head of humanity. Well, Mary is that um, matriarchal role 
in the new humanity. And before Jesus died on the cross, what did he do? He, he looked to John, the last gift that he gave. And when, when somebody's speaking their last words, you know it's the most important thing. The last thing he gave before he breathed over his spirit was, behold your mother. And St. John Paul II said, look, what that, the words that follow that, it says, woman, behold your son. And to St. John, who is the beloved disciple, representing all of humanity. That's why he's unnamed. He represents all beloved disciples. Behold your mother. And it said he took her into his home. And John Paul said that phrase, took her into his home, meant he took her into every single thing that made up his interpersonal I. When I say I, everything of himself, Mary was brought into. Why? Because now the church is beginning. And the church is the mystical Christ. And so Christ is going to be formed in each one of us the same way he was formed during his earthly life. That was the paradigm. He was formed, what, through the human nature of Mary, united to the power of the Holy Spirit. Mary and the Holy Spirit in this mystical union of love is what? The fruit is Jesus Christ. And one of the great saints of the church, St. Louis de Montfort, says Jesus is always the fruit of Mary and the Holy Spirit. So that's why Satan comes in to divide them. You know, the, this divorce mentality. He loves to divorce spouses. That's like today, that's the final battles between marriage and family. Mm. He loves to divorce that. And so Mary is absolutely critical um, in this. So the closer we draw to Mary, the closer... She does exactly what she said to St. Elizabeth. She magnifies the Lord. She magnifies the Lord. So that's, you know, like a magnifying glass as a kid. When light goes through it, it, you don't see the glass. You don't see even the light. It's around you. But all of a sudden, once the magnifying glass is there, you see what's on the other side, magnified, brought to you. And you see a super intense beam of light, like on a piece of grass when you're trying to set it on fire. And that's what it does. It sets it on fire. It's that intense compared to all the other light. That's what Mary does. She magnifies the Lord in the life of every Christian. So the closer we draw to Mary, all of these truths take place. And that takes place from the moment we are baptized to the moment we are before the Lord in, in final judgment. Amen, brother. I, uh, I, I sort of have chills. I think for the first time, uh, I'm not. I'm not kidding. I I think the Lord is blessing, truly blessing this interview and this episode. Uh, you know, I love the analogy with the magnifying glass, and as you were saying that, it also reminded me of another analogy, uh, which coincidentally, uh, you know, is from. Venerable Fulton Sheen, who I don't think we said publicly yet on this episode, but you're also a, an, an expert in Fulton Sheen, and I, I, I believe you have a, an entire institute or ministry dedicated just to him. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah, the Fulton Sheen Institute and now the Fulton Sheen Movement for his beatification. Wow. So we're going to do an entire other episode on Fulton Sheen, but correct me if I'm wrong. Did he not say that Mary... <clears throat> compared to Christ, or Mary's role, rather, is she's like the moon. The moon doesn't have its own light, but the moon's light reflects the sun. It reflects the sun, and that's what Mary does, right? She's not, uh, not that she doesn't have her own radiance or light, but her her whole job, she's reflecting the light of the sun, the S-O-N, her son, the son of God. Uh, am I correct in that? Did he say that? 
He did. That's one of, one of my favorite quotes from him. I, I've often ended talks that I give on that, talking about, um, yeah, he, that was the whole point of Mary is, 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 is important, but her importance is always in relation to the sun, like the sun, Jesus Christ, like the moon is to the sun. He said, without, just like you said, without the light of the sun, it would just be a burnt out cinder. And, um, and, and so yeah, he, he kind of ends this beautiful quote talking about um, when we see, when we see the moon, we know there must be a sun because all of its light comes from it. And so in these dark times in which we live, as, as things become more challenging, we see the hope of the sun that is to come and rise again while we then look to Mary while we await that sunrise. And so Mary, that's why I'm talking about this Marian age. It's like this, we're in this whole, in, in unprecedented time in history, which is a glorious time to be alive, but we are going to go through the greatest trial ever. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. Yeah. Um, and, but Mary, that's why Mary is everywhere. That's where, that, wherever Mary has appeared, and you can often tell the legitimate ones because the conversions are, you know, by the hundreds of thousands or millions over just a short amount of time. And what does she say? Build me a church. Build me a church here. Why? Because then the Eucharist is brought there. And if the Eucharist is going to be brought there, that means you have to have priests. So priests are there. And if you're going to be prepared to receive Jesus in the Eucharist, and Mary's saying we have to repent, change our lives, well, you have the sacrament of confession. All of these pilgrimage sites, that's the fruit. That's the purpose. The ultimate purpose is what you experience at these. Yes, there's the phenomenon of, wow, Mary appeared in the grotto, and but it was, what, penance, penance, penance. We need to return to the Lord. And so she's, you know, Sheen called her a spiritual Trojan horse. You know, she just betrays you right to Christ. <laughs> just, she finds a way in, and then it's game over. So, all right, so you're saying she's everywhere uh, to people that may not even realize uh, I mean, I'm sure people have heard Our Lady of Lords or Our Lady of Fatima, but maybe people don't even know exactly what that means. So what you're saying mm -hmm. is that the Blessed Virgin Mary herself is actually in our day and age appearing in certain places in this world now and having a message for the world. Like, So her role isn't over. She's still appearing now. And you know, people probably know the most popular ones, like I just said, or Our Lady of Knock, Our Lady of Guadalupe. But there's, you're telling me that there's even there's even more than that. Oh yeah, like, um, I mean, there are. There's a book, um, and it's it's called How She Loves Us, mm. and it's on uh, 50 different approved Marian apparitions, and it goes over you know the various centuries. Um, you know, the first one goes all the way back to I think that's recorded goes back to Spain in the fourth century. I have to double check the years on that Okay. Um, in Spain. And, uh, and then of course we know some of the more popular ones from the last 500 years. Um, she's appeared to various saints, uh, you know, the, the rosary, which we pray as Catholics in the form that we have it today um, was given to St. Dominic. And that was through a, a visitation of our blessed mother and an, an appearance to him. And she's, uh, she told him that the only way he's going to be able to conquer all the errors and the heresies of his time that he was preaching so hard against was to, uh, 
preach and to pray what she called her Psalter. And she called it that because there's 150 total. If you pray the whole rosary, there's 150 Hail Marys. Well, now there's 200. John Paul II changed that. Um, but for the 150 Psalms. But she's appeared throughout history. And um, and we and we know the, the big ones are the big ones because there have been promised miracles that have been fulfilled in these places. And, uh, and one, one of them was in Lourdes, France in 1858, and um, you know, the miraculous springs that came up and the healings that she promised would, co would come to those um, who would receive it. And then uh, Lord uh, Fatima in 1917 is a, is a massive one. Um, I'd say it's the, the most popular. And, and that's because she promised a miracle that ended up being the miracle, what we call the miracle of the sun, um, and, you know, I forget the total number of people, tens of thousands, and probably close to a hundred thousand yeah, people it was witnessed it. Yeah. And, uh, and that included communists because in that area, communism and secularism and was really strong in the political structures of Portugal. And, uh, and they witnessed it and their own communist papers reported on it and they didn't have an explanation for it. Um, and you know, we're going to get was, into that in more detail in just a, in just a couple of moments. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're coming up. Well, not on the anniversary of that, but the anniversary of Fatima. But this, you know, the, the the miracle was it was raining outside, and Our Lady promised on that day there would be a miracle, and people showed up, and they were all upset and distraught because it was pouring rain. Nobody wanted to be there, and they began to think that like, these kids are crazy. They almost began to turn on the kids, and then all of a sudden. During Our Lady appears to the children, and then during this apparition, she kind of points up at the sky, and everybody looks up, and you, they saw the sun. Something it's commonly called the sun dancing around. It was yeah, kind of like unhinged, yeah, unhinged from its normal space, and it was moving around and pulsating colors. And then all of a sudden, it was racing toward the people as they saw it, and it looked like it was just going to devour everyone. And it was very fearful. People were screaming. One person who was blind all of a sudden could see. There were other miracles that took place. And then eventually it retracted back to its normal spot. And everything was completely dry. I mean, like powder dry. And that was the sign that, uh, you know, was till this very day is known as the miracle of Fatima. So Our Lady has appeared and has verified those appearances in, in, in special places. Other ones have been approved by investigations by the local bishop. They investigate the claim. Then churches just believe anybody who says, oh yeah, I saw Mary in my room. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But if there's a message and there's a call to action, the church becomes more interested. And then so they have groups, theologians and others, and sometimes even scientists Often they have, in the modern world, they have scientists who are involved. So there's like the, major investigations into Yeah, it's not a trivial thing. Yeah, major uh, investigations. And I do want to get into Fatima in more detail because I also have a very personal story surrounding Our Lady of Fatima, and I'll get into that in a little bit as well. Um, but ultimately, regardless of where in the world she's appearing, whether it's in Mexico City or in, you know, Knock, Ireland or Fatima, Portugal, you know, why does she keep coming back? Why, why, what, what is her main message? What, and, and why is this so authentic that the church is approving that like something as 
you know, crazy sounding as the mother of God appearing in a field to these children, mm -hmm. you know, what's the overall message of not just one particular apparition, but of, uh, but of all of them, if we could even do that. Sure. Well, it is a simple message. And I think that's really important to highlight the complexities of the world of the last 200, almost 250 years, really going back to the time of the French revolution, which the church has, uh, helped us to understand clearly just how diabolical that revolution was in laying all the foundations for the modern world, which has since that time, since 1789 onward, has become the most secular anti-God, um, anti-human, really, in the name of humanity, uh, civilization. And they become un like the sun, we were talking about was unhinged from its normal place in the heavens, well, humanity has unhinged itself from God, and we have seen the results. And it's and, and society has become in, in the place of, of, of God, who who the modern world has rejected, it's been this new dictatorship. The new God is science. You know, this dictatorship, this technocratic, um, scientific, medical health dictatorship that rules the world in the name of taking care of humanity. Um, and it has become so anti-God, so anti-intelligence, reason. I mean, look at look at what we face today. The whole woke culture is the culmination of that. We're trying to redefine the family, try to, to redefine marriage. Um, you know, now they're talking transhumanism. Uh, you know, humanity 2.0. Um, and and it's it's very much the lie that Lucifer has had from the beginning. Of um, you know, we can be like gods without God. And all we have to do is eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The tree of knowledge, the word, word in Latin is, is scientia, it's, it's science. So eat, 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 eat of the tree of science without God, and you get the world in which we have today. And so wow. when all has been lost, I mean, how do we recover from this? Because we see evil that's driving this. This is Lucifer's plan. This is his endgame. This is Satan's endgame that's playing out right now. John Paul II called it the final confrontation between the church and the anti-church, the gospel and the anti-gospel. Fulton Sheen called it the same exact thing. Um, the mystical body of Christ is, is now geared up to fight the mystical body of Antichrist. And this is how this is manifested. The gospel should be enough for us to hear the words of John the Baptist, repent and, 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 and follow the gospel, you know, but we haven't. And the world and you know, humanity is going to completely destroy itself unless there's something that helps us to completely turn around. And we will either be brought to our knees by devastation or by opening our hearts and souls to God and humbling ourselves and allow him to remake us. And so uh, I, I was trying to find a quote. I, if I can find it, I'll, I'll, I'll read it because it's actually the Russians. Fulton Sheen talks about this Russian... Um, thesis, as he says, that speaks about, you know, what, when uh, humanity rejects, rejected the Father, he sent his Son to save us. But when the world rejected the Son, in that dark hour, they believed that God was going to send Mary to save us. And Mary is the queen of prophets. And you look at the prophets of the Old Testament, they all had the same message. Repent of what you're doing and turn to God, whether you know who this God is or not. Because remember, Jonah went to the Ninevites, and 
um, you know, the people who were the, the enemies of the people of Israel. And he said, repent in 40 days more and Nineveh will, will be destroyed. But they repented and they were spared. And so we have, you know, we're like in this extended Nineveh moment and, um, and our lady is the last resort. So the very fact that God is sending his mother, even if it was just once should shake us, especially when the message like, uh, is very simple. And that is penance, penance, penance for our sins and the sins of the world. In Fatima, she said... Oh.